Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Let's go ahead and get your Bibles out. I'd love for you to follow along with me today. I'm going to be, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter number 24. So if you'll find that in the scriptures, Matthew 24, we're going to start with verse 4 here in just a couple minutes. Though I'm excited about that devotional coming out next Sunday. Our elders have spent time writing on various topics, so that's going to be really, really cool. And please invite people. Invite people to Palm Sunday as well as Easter Sunday. Let's, let's, let's pack this place out for the glory of God, all right? Well, I, I, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about how I plan and prepare sermons. I, I usually have about three to four months worth of sermons that I'm kind of like, uh, they're, they're, they are kind of brewing in my heart. Uh, I, I, I put together some concepts, rough outlines, and some, some key principles that I feel like that God wants to speak to us as a congregation. And as, as the day gets closer, I tend to study more and more. So in, on, on any given week, I may be actually working on four or five different sermons at the same time because I like to kind of put them together as God drops things into my heart because I, I don't... I, I'm not the kind of guy who that just that like uh, on Saturday morning goes, man, I've got to preach tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to preach about. And I'm not the kind of guy that just shows up here. Well, I don't know what I'm going to preach. So I'm just going to open the Bible and do that. Now, I, I did have to do that once when I was in, visiting a church service and someone called me up and said that they wanted me to preach. Now, that was, that was the one time I literally walked up there, opened the Bible. I thought, okay, God, I'm opening this up to the New Testament because I know that's the safest place. I open it up and I preach the sermon. But that happened once, once. But... But um, I like to have plenty of time to study and prepare because I want to deliver something that is that has been well studied, and and, and I want to make sure that what's saying what I'm saying is really what God wants to say, not something that's thrown together. And uh, <clears throat> today I, I've had this this particular sermon that I was going to preach today. I've actually had this one kind of brewing for about six months, and it's about judging. It's because there's a lot of judgment that's going around in our culture, and I was going to talk about how to judge and how to judge not, because we're actually supposed to do both. But but I decided to wait, and I'm going to share that message here in a couple of weeks after Easter, uh, so we, and, and we'll dive into that then. But I, I've, I've, I'm on a different topic today, and it's, it really kind of is in the same vein of this theme that we're in, which is Christianity in this new era, because things are different. Things are different than they were two, three years ago. It just is different. It's, it's different not only here, but it's different everywhere. And... Really, there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, um, I guess you could call it unsettled feelings about national uh, events, world events, things that are happening all around us. And, and, uh, and I've had a lot of people mention this to me. And, and, and so I, I've even opened up my Tim at 12 series on Wednesdays. And I, I, I did this last fall. I said, I want you guys to send me your questions about prophecy and supernatural and, and things of that nature. And, and send me those questions and I'll answer them. I'm, curr- I'm currently doing that. I'm answering those questions on my Tim at 12 Bible study. That, that I do at noon on Wednesdays, <clears throat> but, but uh, I really felt like this is a particular message I wanted to bring to a Sunday morning, because 
Today, I want to give you hope. I want to encourage you. I want you just to to feel the wind of the Spirit under your wings. And I, I also want to present to you a potential plan of action for your own life as we operate and function in this new era because our goal is to stand firm. It is to stand firm. These are perilous times that we're entering into, and we have to stand firm. So my message title for today is Standing Firm in Perilous Times. And I'd love for you to take some notes here because if, if God's speaking to you, you want to be sure and write those things down so, so that you can really get them into your heart and get them into your life. You know, back in ancient Greece, <clears throat> They had the Olympics, and that's actually where it all started, and it was restarted, uh, you know, f- f- several decades ago. It was, it was like, it was relaunched, but the, the Olympic Games started in, in, uh, in ancient Greece, and there was one particular race that was very, very interesting. It's where there were runners, and they had to, they had to run across a large area, a long area, and they had to carry a torch. And this is actually where the whole concept of the Olympic torch comes from. But they had to carry a torch to get across the finish line. But the winner was not the first person to cross the finish line. The winner was actually the person who crossed the finish line first with his torch still burning. And if the torch went out at any point on the race, you were immediately eliminated. And so what this did is this, this caused, the, uh, th- th- this caused the, the participants and the athletes to really think clearly. They had to judge what was happening in the atmosphere, what's happening surrounding them. And it didn't matter if it was raining or if it was windy. It didn't matter. Whatever conditions were out there, they had to find a way to adapt to it and yet keep the fire burning, keep the flame burning. So it it demanded really intense uh, focus and concentration. They had to pace themselves. They couldn't just run out and start sprinting. It demanded a lot of wisdom as they moved toward the goal. And I really feel like that's kind of where we are right now. And, and uh, God put it on, has put it on my heart, really, to educate and, and to empower and strengthen our local church for the, the times that we're in. And that's really what the series is about. But specifically today, I'm talking about this. Because I, I, honestly, I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch burning for Jesus Christ until the very end. I want to get to the end. And I, and, and I want to be able to make it through every wind and every storm and every circumstance that comes my way. And I want to be full of the Spirit of God and, and, and not allow the discouragement of all the stuff that's going on around me or even the discouragement of seeing other lights go out, not going to let that stop me from pursuing my goal. That's my heart. I want his spirit to be burning in me and I want you to feel the same way. I want you to do it in the same way. In fact, the truth is you wouldn't even be here today if you didn't want that. So I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking to, to people who want this and you crave this, you need this. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, as we're going to read here in a second, is it really is some prophetic words from Jesus because uh, we, we live in a time of peril here in our world. It's very multifaceted. It's interesting because waves of peril have, have, uh, have affected mankind for years, uh, you know, for a long time. But, but there, there are, there's these, this intensity, a growing intensity of peril, but it's coming at us from every angle right now. And this is different from what's happened in the past. And it seems like no matter which way you look, you're going to see peril. Um, 
The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, I believe 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul told him, and he was, that, was his, that was the pastor of the Ephesus church, Timothy, he said that at the very end of the age, there, were going to, there was going to be uh, terrible times. In fact, Paul said they would be perilous times. And, and I believe that we are living in that season. And Jesus explained this to his disciples just a few days before he went to the cross in Matthew 24, verse 4. And I want you to read this. I'm going to give some commentary as we go through it. Uh, my temptation would be to uh, dissect every word in this and, and go into, into a lot of depth, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, but but I, I want to just look at this passage. Jesus is talking to his disciples about this. And he says, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Now hear this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So does that sound anything like today? The rumors of wars, it's just a constant talking about war here, war there, war. But look, look at what it says. Jesus says, but see to it that you are what? Not alarmed. Jesus said such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. That word nation is the Greek term ethnos, which this it's a little deceiving here, but what that means is ethnic group will rise up against ethnic group. But we don't see that happening in our culture at all, right? That's yet to come. I'm asking you to think. I'm asking you to think here. Okay, do we see that in our culture? Ethnic group rising up against ethnic group. That's exactly what it means where it says nations. It's speaking of ethnic groups. It's not speaking of, of nations per se. And it says kingdom against kingdom. Now, those are the nations. So, so there, will be nation, there will be, as we call them today, nations fighting against each other or kingdoms fighting against each other. And there will also be ethnic groups fighting against each other. Do we see any of that in the culture? Absolutely. The answer is yes. It says there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Now, the birth pains speak of the time finally when the end finally arrives. And so, as, as the, the birth pains lets us know that the end is near. Any of you ladies who have had a baby, you know, when those birth pains start to happen, you know that the end is near and you get prepared, you get ready, right? And, and you make sure your bags are packed or whatever you're going to do because it's time, it's time, it's time. That's what the Lord is saying to us right now. It's time, it's time. Now, here's something else. It says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted. You, meaning believers, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations. And that, again, goes back to ethnic groups. You will be hated by all ethnic groups because of me. So this speaks of persecution of believers. We have not seen that to its, uh, at, we have not seen that significantly here in the United States yet, but I truly believe it's coming. I believe it's right around the corner. It says, at that time, because of all these things that are happening, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. Do you hear that? So these are people who were believers, but they're seeing all the stuff going on, and they're saying, whoa, and they literally turn away from their faith. Now, that, that's a danger, and that's something I, I will always warn you about. Don't turn away from your faith when things are tough. Many, many 
will turn away from their faith, and they will even betray and hate each other. So this is, a, this is a tool of the enemy to bring division even within the body of Christ. People will fall, fall away from their faith. People will start betraying one another, hating one another. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Well, what's a false prophet? Well, that's someone who says, the Lord told me, God said this, God said that, and then it doesn't happen. Then they blame the devil. And though there's all that kind of stuff. Now, please understand when you see that, that's called a false prophet. Do you know? Do you understand that? When you see that, and that is becoming more and more and more prevalent here in our culture, especially even, truthfully, let's be honest with you, even right here in, in the DFW Metroplex, many will say, God told me, God said, God said, God said. Now, I want to I be, I just want to pause for a second here. I am very, very careful as to when I say God said. God told me. God said. I'll, many times I'll say I feel impressed by God, or I feel led by God, or I feel like this is what God wants us to do. But you will, it'll be very, very seldom that you will ever hear me say, God said, unless it's actually from the Scriptures, because those things have to be tested. And the tr- truth is, I'm not, I'm not a prophet <laughs> either. But when, when we hear where individuals are saying, God said this, and uh, the prophecy is this, it's going to happen, and then it doesn't happen, and then they blame the devil, well, please understand that it was probably never what God said in the first place. That's called false prophets. And it deceives people. It, it messes people up. And, and the truth is, is it causes more confusion in the body of Christ. So many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, do you guys see wickedness increasing in the land? Oh, my word. Like never before, we're seeing, seeing it increase. It says, because of this, the love of most will grow cold. Now, they're, they're talking about believers here because that word love is the, is the Greek term agape, which is Christian love. And that, that term agape was not used in the common culture as any type of an expression of love. Agape is a love of choice. It is based upon your will. It's the kind of love God has for us. It's the kind of love we have for God. It's the kind of love we have for each other. It's a choice. I choose to love you. I may not even feel like liking you, but I choose to love you. You get that? Okay, so, so that is agape. That's agape, but it says the agape, that which is Christian love. So I would put in there the Christian love of most, and so they're not speaking of the world here. Again, they're speaking of Christians. Most people's Christian love is going to grow cold. So these are some signs of the bumpiness of the end of the age. But then it wraps it up here. It says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And that's where I took my title from, about standing firm firm in perilous times. In fact, I see that term standing firm in several other places in the New Testament, and it is always, it's almost like a militaristic term. It's like, I'm going to hold my ground, and I'm going to dig my heels in the ground, and I'm going to stand firm. I want to pray. I want to pray for revelation. God, I just pray that there will be a spirit of revelation in the house today, that you'll speak to us uniquely and individually, because God, we're, we're in all different places in here. Everybody's experiencing different things, and we're all living in this culture, this world, and things are not simple right now. In fact, they're very complex, but I pray that you will take the words that I share and that you'll customize them for each individual, 
And I pray that everybody will be not only receptive for the seed of the word of God, but will act on what they hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we just read was prophecy. Now, what is prophecy? Well, prophecy does several things. Prophecy warns, it, uh, it, it comforts, it actually brings hope, and it brings uh, strategies for Christian living. That's part of what prophecy does. It's not just to fulfill your, your uh, curiosity about something that may happen. That's not the purpose of prophecy whatsoever. Biblical prophecy, it, uh, it also helps us like this. This is biblical prophecy. It helps us to make sense of the things that we're seeing around us, but to also know that God is in control because God already said it. Remember, Jesus said these things must happen. So we understand God is in control. God is in control. Do you hear that? God is in control no matter how crazy things might look because in the end, God wins and we do too. We can't forget that. We can't forget that. But prophecy, especially biblical prophecy, it always drives us to repentance and to righteous living. And that's part of what I desire for you today. So there are a few things that I just jotted down to share with you today. And the first one is, is, is that we need to understand that fear and worry and anxiety, what it actually does is it opposes faith. It pushes faith down. And, and so, so in, fa- in fact, fear can actually halt your faith. Um, it says, again, in the scripture that I read earlier, it says, because of fear, the love of most Christians will grow cold. And that love, that Christian love, is the core foundation of everything our faith operates on. Of course, the love of God, the love of Jesus. I'm not, not negating God or the blood at all. But that, but that love is foundational for us because really when Jesus was confronted on what are the greatest commandments, he said it's all about love. He says you got to love God with every single thing in you. And second, you need to love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And if you can do those two things, all the rest of the scriptures are going to come easy for you, all right? Because now, so you see, love is the foundation of everything. But if that love grows cold and begins to crumble and fall apart, you're not going to be able to express your faith. You're not going to be able to live out your faith. So fear of the perilous times that we're in is, is actually extremely detrimental to the power of God functioning and operating within your life. Why? It's because fear and worry and anxiety, it erodes the foundation of Christian love. And without love, our faith falls apart. So we have to move away from anything that's fear, anxiety related or worry related. And truth be told, we've all dealt with it. We, you, you, you just cannot help but deal with that right now. So I'm not attacking you if, you if you have a fearful thought or like, whoa, I don't know what's going on here. Well, okay, I understand. But what you've got to do is you've got to be able to, to push that down. You have to push that out because that will destroy your love, which will destroy your faith. And I'll tell you, I believe that because of these things, it's just like what Jesus said, because of all these things happening, people's love is going to grow cold. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for any of us. So here's one strategy that I know works, and that is to stand firm with prayer and praise. Just stand firm firm with prayer and praise. Uh, never before have I, uh, have I believed it is more important that you be a worshiper, a one who praises God, and one who prays more than ever. And you might say, well, Tim, that's a trite answer, like stand firm with prayer and praise. Okay, we know that, but are you doing it, all right? Are you doing it? 
Because this right here is a significant key to receiving and maintaining the power of God in your life. And when you worship and when you pray, he also pours his, he pours his presence into you. But the number one manifestation of that is love, which then pushes all that other stuff out. And, and, and what happens is, is when you use prayer and you use praise, even in your darkest days, faith is activated on the scene. Faith is activated in his presence. When we had our service a couple of weeks ago, we called it in his presence. And this place was just filled with prayer and worship and praise. And not one person left going, well, that was church. No, people went like, I encounter the presence of God and I'm full and I feel great. I mean, what God has just done to me. I mean, this, this is a dynamic key to supernatural living. In fact, that, that's what Paul and Silas did. They were, they were out preaching the gospel and, and telling people about Jesus, and they got in trouble for it. And so the, they were arrested, and they were beaten, and they were put into to, to jail. <laughs> they were locked up. They were even put into stocks. I mean, can you imagine that? Just, just actually locked into stocks. And the Bible says, says, in fact, it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they were just praying and singing these songs. Oh, God, we bless you. And they were just doing it out loud, not caring about the other prisoners. In fact, if you read that whole story, the other prisoners heard them and were listening, and they may not have been joining along. They're like, why are these guys so happy? You know, we're all stuck here in jail. This isn't no fun. But as they were worshiping, as they were praising, and as they were praying, the Bible says that an earthquake came and, and shook them loose. And, and all of a sudden, all the doors to the jail opened up, and, 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 and there, were, there was freedom in the house. In fact, the jailer came and went, oh, no, oh, no, what's going on? And, and, and Paul went with him and sat down with him and led him and his entire household to, to give their lives to Jesus Christ. I mean, God changes things through prayer and praise. It will change the environment. See, if you just, if you will begin just to do this, worship, praise, pray, in the middle of the adversity, you will see the dynamic change in your home. You'll see it. You'll feel it. You'll sense it. You'll sense a shift. You'll sense, it. You'll sense that the environment is about to change. In fact, one of the things that we're going to be doing this summer is we are going to be uh, walking all the streets of downtown Fort Worth. We're going to have an organized prayer walk where you're going to just quietly, covertly, nobody's going to know what you're doing. You're not going to be out there going, Lord, just bless everybody. No, we're not going to be doing that. All right. I have no problem screaming your prayers to God in here. But, but, you know, when you're out there, understand, like what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when they see you, they're going to think you're crazy. All right, so, so but we're going we're to be out on the streets, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship up and down all the streets of downtown Fort Worth because what happens here affects this entire city. It affects this entire county. It affects this area. We're the 12th largest city in America. And, and we have been given a mandate that we are to occupy in this downtown area, and we will do it through our prayers and praise. And it shifts the environment, and it will for you as well. It'll shift the environment spiritually, but it'll shift it for you personally. Like I, I like what Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says. It says, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, <laughs> I like anything and everything. So that just covers it all. Everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, so if, if you're going to get rid of that stress and anxiety, you have to praise, you have to worship, you have to give thanksgiving to God, you have to pray. It, that's foundational. You've got to do this. 
We have to do this, church. We have to do this. You need to be doing this in your home. Do it in your car. Do it in your workplace. Do it wherever. Do it, do it, do it, because it will shift the atmosphere there, but also for you personally. And, and while you're at it, I mean, we, we, we literally cast our cares on God. We just take those cares and we just, God, I don't know what I'm going to do about this inflation. Ah! I mean, the, the, the government said that every family is going to need an extra $5,000 this year just to survive, just to stay on the same level. Ah, you know, what am I going to do? Well, of course, if I start talking about that, you're going to start getting afraid again. Some of you just went, oh, no, is that what the government said? Okay, stop. You're missing the point here. You're missing the point here. That's why we're here, to pray and to praise and to worship. And so we don't stress about those things. That's, you know, we, we begin and we end our services with prayer and worship. Have you ever noticed that? They're the bookends of everything that we do here because that creates the atmosphere, not only in this room, but in our hearts and our lives to be victors, to work in victory. So basically what you've got to do is start doing is start thanking God for what he's already done. Start thanking him for what he's going to do. Start thanking him for the miracles that are, that are in front of you. And this is going to cause your faith to grow. And, and, and it's going to ignite even more powerful prayers in you. And, and, and it, it, just, it just begins to, to bubble up within you. You become more potent as a believer when you pray and when you worship. And your anxiety is going to drop. Okay, now there's Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And I want you to look at this scripture with me. In fact, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put it on the screens, and, and I'm going to ask you to read this along with me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Read it out loud with me, all right? Come on. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Catch your breath. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What happens when we think about something? What you think about is actually what's going to end up coming out of your mouth and what you're going to end up doing. Did you know that? It's where your mind is is what's actually going to manifest in your life. So we think about it, and we, we, we pray about it, we talk about it. And, 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 and so if you're thinking and if you're focusing on all the negative stuff, you need to make a transition. You need to transition away from that. You need to transition your thought life, you need to, which will then transition your words and your actions, which will then transition everything in you. Your entire demeanor is going to change. Can you do that? Yes, you can. That's a, that's a good one to memorize right there. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one right there. All right, here's another way for us to deal with perilous times, and it's very clear here. Stand firm and anticipate the new heaven and the new earth. Now, we live... We're constantly obsessed with what's right in front of us. I get that because everything's just right in front of us. <laughs> but I want you to think about the destination. I want you to think about the end. I want you to think about what's coming up. I want you to anticipate the great uh, end, the great future that the Lord has for you. I remember when I was a child, when I was 12 years old, we took a family vacation. Uh, and it's the only one that I remember. I think it was the only like real big family vacation we had when I was 12. And, and my parents, we did a cross-country vacation, and it was so much fun. And the ultimate goal is that we were going to go out to Washington and Oregon, and we were going to visit our family, my, my dad's side of the family, my mom's side of the family. I was going to get to see all these cousins. And this was a long, uh, probably two or three, like about a three-week road trip. Oh, my word. It was 
awesome. And all I could think about was getting out there, getting to the end, what it was going to look like, what it was going to be like, how it was going to feel. And, and I just loved it. So my mind was on the destination. I'll tell you the truth. I remember very little about the road trip because that that's pretty much in the past. Now, I do remember because we had two cars and I had my brother, my brothers were also driving. I do remember riding in my brother's car and remembering some of the music. He played Beach Boys and I thought that was really cool music there. But, but outside of that, I, I remember, I just simply remember the destination. And I want you to think about the destination. Think about the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, I want you to anticipate where you're going. Eternity is your destination. And it's going to be really good, guys. It's going to be good. It's going to be nothing like you've ever experienced on this earth. It's going to be wonderful. And understand this. God is for you. He's not against you. And he is preparing a place in eternity for us to dwell forever, and it it will be beyond your wildest dreams. In Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, you see that throughout the book of Revelation, you'll see that God is a God who judges sin, but he's also a God who rescues and loves and cares for and fights for and blesses those who love him. That's what I see. See, your focus doesn't need to be on the bad things. Don't be focusing on that. Don't focus even, even don't, don't be reading Revelation and try to focus on the bad things that are going to happen in the earth because I believe that most of those things are going to happen in the absence of the believers that, that went up with Jesus in the blessed hope, the rapture of the church. So our, our focus, our hope should be on Jesus. That's why it's even called the blessed hope because Jesus comes and catches us away. He takes us away. And so in the meantime, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to just, just live holy and evangelize your cultural street. Get out there and make a difference. And, and while you're at it, just keep dreaming about that destination, the new heavens and the new earth that God is preparing for you. And there is no fear in this. There is no fear in those thoughts. Those are only wonderful thoughts. I and mean, when you get done, homework for today would be a good thing to just to get your Bible, turn to the very end, read Re- Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and tell me, do you feel good now? You know? Do you fit? Because that is your eternity. That's what the Lord is planning for you. About 20 years ago, I went for the first time to, uh, I, was in, uh, I was in the LA area, but for the first time, I actually had enough time to, cause I, I'm going to check out Beverly Hills. I mean, and if you've never been around there, I mean, you're just like, I'm gonna, you, there are places people want to go. Like they want to go to Hollywood or to Beverly Hills. Trust me, Hollywood is, is not nothing like what you think it is. It's ugly. It is ugly and decrepit. But, but I, uh, I, I was like, Beverly Hills is, sounds pretty cool, you know. I've seen it on TV. I grew up watching the Beverly Hillbillies as a kid. I was like, I know this is a really cool place. I don't, don't, don't think I'm going to see Granny or anything like that out here but, or Jed. But I just wanted it. So I wanted to see Beverly Hills. And so, so Rebecca and I, we took some time and drove up around. Beverly Hills, and we drove, and we drove, and we drove. I mean, these are the most, uh, these are the most elite properties, you know, some of the most elite properties in the world, definitely the United States. And we're kind of going through there, and and we're like, there are some of these places that are literally dumps. And you kind of look like there's a nice house, and there's one that is literally falling apart. It looks worse than my house at home, okay? And 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 then we're driving down the road, and it's you're falling in these big holes, and and it's terrible. And I was like, what is the deal? I mean, I thought this was like the place where everything was so wonderful, and and I I feel like my car is going to fall into one of these these holes here in the road. It was terrible, and I just looked at it. I I turned to Rebecca and said, 
what's so special about this? This city isn't so special. <laughs> I don't know what I had in mind, but it certainly was not what I, what I saw. I mean, I guess I spent too much time watching the Beverly Hillbillies as a kid. I just thought it was really nice. Swimming pool, movie stars, you know. But Beverly Hills is nothing compared to eternity in New Jerusalem because we're talking about streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of solid pearl, a place where the Lamb of God is the light. Oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has conceived. I mean, like, you cannot figure this out. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And I'm telling you guys, that is your future. God has huge plans for you. And God will live with his people. And there in that place, there's going to be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. All of us, we're dealing with various degrees of peril right now in this new era. And, and, and it's interesting because it's on top of all the normal life issues of death, tears, and pain. <laughs> so we kind of like have all of these waves coming at us at the same time. And, and uh, you know, pain, when you think about it, there's emotional pain, there's physical pain, there's relational pain. And, and the truth is pain is synonymous with life. I mean, it just happens. But just think about this. This helps get your mind off of what's going on right here. God has a pain free existence ahead of you. We also all experience tears. I mean, come on, you were born crying. You know, tears all over the place. You were born crying. And tears, tears are part of life. I mean, we, we, we cry because of physical pain or emotional pain or loss or whatever. We, we cry when just, you're, you're stressed out, you cry. But God is preparing a tear free eternity for you. You're not going to have even the remotest reason to cry. And then there's death. <laughs> I mean, most of you have experienced the very real immense pain of losing a friend, losing a loved one, losing a child, losing, losing a parent, losing a brother or sister, sibling. Oh, those things are horrible. Just the pain of it. And the memories, and you have to keep working through it, and it just doesn't go away. But I'm going to tell you, in the new heavens and the new earth, there's not going to be death. You're not even going to remember what death was like. And you'll be able, and so when you begin to focus on this, you can stand firm because there's an incredible future ahead for you. Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 4. I'll give you a little glimpse of what you're going to do in your homework today. This is just a little part of it. Just listen to this. It says, uh, I was going to say Moses, but it wasn't Moses. It was John. Okay, John said this. He says, I heard a loud, trust me, Moses did not write Revelation. Don't get that messed up. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with man and he will live with them. God's living with us. <laughs> Look at that. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And that is what your future holds for you. Come on. Finally, during these perilous times, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you again to stand firm because God has promised to be with his children through every adversity that you face. He will be with you. He's going to be right by your side. Now I want you to get ready to jot down a few scripture references. And these, are, these will be some good ones to look up and to memorize here in a second. But 
and, and these will be the scriptures I'm about to share with you. These are the kinds you'll even want to write out on a post-it note or whatever. Put them various places in your car, your office. Put them on your refrigerator, on your computer, on your forehead, on wherever you want to do that, all right? But, but and, and here's the reason why I'm saying this. Because this takes, what I'm talking about today takes homework, okay? You can leave here today feeling encouraged and built up and strong. But as soon as the negativity hits you again, like, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? I can go back and listen to Pastor Tim's sermon. Yeah, you can, and that's fine. I don't care. You, know, you can listen to it a hundred times over. But what you need to do is begin to memorize the Word of God, get the Word of God in you, get it in front of you, because that's what's going to carry you through. Hear me? That's what's going to carry you through. So the exhilaration, hear me, the exhilaration of this message will wear off. I, I, I'll just tell you right up front. I'll just tell you right up front. And we, you know that's going to happen. Because I'm a sorry preacher anyway, so just, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Who are you going to turn to? You're going to turn to God, and you're going to turn to his word, all right? I was just curious about the sorry preacher thing. That was just a joke. All right, Isaiah chapter 4, but I don't think I'm, like, awesome either, but let's just change subjects here. Isaiah 41, 13. Isaiah 41, 13. Write this one down. It says, I am the Lord your God. Oh, look, look at this. Get this. Read this. Read every word here. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand, that's interesting, and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Why does God take your right hand? Well, because most people are right-handed. This is what we do stuff with. Now, if you're left-handed, I'm sorry, this may, that God will take hold of your left hand. That, I, I really believe that. But God will take hold. It's all right. You're going to be okay. All right. You're lefties, you're, you're included in this. I fully believe it. Come on, lefties. That's all right. But God is going to take hold of your right hand because that's what you do things with. And he's not going to just like, I, I always thought he was going to hold on to your right hand. But no, he's going to take hold of your right He's going to direct your hand. He's going to show you what to do. He's going to take care of you. He's going to help you. How, how about that? That's pretty cool. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. Jot that down. This is a favorite of mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In, in other words, when you go through stuff, you will not be overtaken by them. Now, please note this. It doesn't say you won't feel the heat of it. It doesn't say you won't feel the wetness of it. What it does, or any of that, but what it says is, is that it will not harm you, so it will not overtake you. So when you see these things happening, when you're walking through these perilous times, it's not going to overtake you as a believer. Hear me? It won't overtake you because you're right there with God. He's right with you. As long, but if you let go of him, I don't know. I have no promises there. But that's why we hold on to God. He is with us. He is with us. You're not going to be overtaken. Here's the next one. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Write that down. Write it down. The whole scripture later on too. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Hold on to that word dismayed for a second. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words, his dominant hand, he's going to hold you. He's not going to even use his left hand. Again, lefties, this is nothing on you. But he's going to use his, his dominant hand to lift you up and uphold you. Now, I looked at that word dismayed, and I used to think it meant, well, don't be disappointed. But actually, that word dismayed, it is a Hebrew term, shakha, which means 
to look away and to look away from what you should be looking at and you begin to gaze and get transfixed with something else that causes anxiety. Is that amazing or what? I didn't even know that until I was preparing. I, I preached this passage like a million times. Not a million, maybe a, a lot. And, and I have never really honed in on that word dismayed. And I, felt, I just felt like, man, I, I need to really look at that word. What does it mean? And I was shocked when I discovered that it means that you're changing your gaze, basically from gazing at God, gazing at his word, gazing about what God has for you out there. And you begin to gaze at the things that are causing you stress and anxiety. So let's read it again. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. In other words, do not look away and gaze at other things with anxiety. See that? That's a command from God. God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Do you see that? He doesn't say, think about not doing it. He says, don't do it. Do you guys believe that God gives us commands? All right, that's a command from God. If you want to live, you want to live in in, uh, uh, strength and the favor of God, do this. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you. He's going to uphold you with his right hand. So 1 Corinthians, come on, i got to give you one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, as I wrap up today, says this. And this is, this is for us as believers. Be on your guard. Stand firm. Again, here it is. Paul's saying this this time about standing firm. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous and be strong. This is the calling of God. And do everything in love. So this, this, this message, actually, I'm actually right back at the beginning where I first started. This is what God calls us to. It, it all comes back to love. And we must not let love be extinguished with anxiety and worry and fear. I just want to encourage you that, that if you're going to stand firm, you're going to have to do this in the strength of God. And you have that strength. We need to fear God. Because if you don't fear God, you're going to fear people. And you're going to fear circumstances. The fear of God will displace the fear of man and the fear of circumstances. You need to pray continuously. You need to be in the Word daily. Seek the Lord daily somehow, some way. If you need to put a reminder on your phone, do it. It's just fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. If, if you need to seek God while you're driving the car, put a little note inside your car as soon as you get in. Seek God. Those of you who drive for a living, man, you're going to be seeking God all the time. It'll be pretty awesome. This devotion that's coming out this next week is as soon as it starts on Sunday, dig into the scriptures. Hear what God is saying to you and, and let it be massaged into your heart. Walk in peace. Resist that fear. And another thing, be busy about doing the Lord's work because we are called to occupy until Jesus comes. And that is where you got to get the word of God out onto your cultural streets. Tell others about what God has done in you. Invite others to church. That's doing the Lord's work. And I, t- I tell you, on Easter, I'm going to give a word of encouragement during this time of, 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 of adversity and trial. I'm going to give a word of encouragement that will help lift people up. And you have friends who need to hear that. Not only you, but your friends and your family, they need to hear that. In fact, around here, we have a little benediction that we do at the close of the service. And, uh, and we do this benediction. It's kind of in a, in a newer uh, language. I think we use the message version of the Bible for this. That we, we speak of benediction. We've done this since the very, very, very beginning of our church. But we speak this benediction over you, but it comes from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. And here in just a few minutes, someone's going to come up and speak these words over you. But I want you to see 
what it says here. And this is something that we send you out with. This, is, this was actually set up by God for the priests to speak over the people at the end of each day. Did you know that? So this was spoken over the people. Spoken, and that's why we speak it over you at the end of the service. So that these will be the last words that you hear coming from this platform week after week after week. It's happened since the very beginnings. Hundreds of times these words have been spoken. The Lord bless you. Okay? These are, think about it in the context of the perilous times. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you, in many places it says peace or blessing or prosperity or whatever, but the word there is actually shalom, which is a broad term of all the, that just, the easiest way to say this, may the goodness of God just be all over you. The goodness of God be all over you. Receive that when it's spoken over you here in just a moment. Brady, I'm looking back at here, you guys, and I just think, man, you guys are getting married. You're getting married this week. And, and I, I looked back there and thought, you know, next Saturday evening I'll be with you guys over in Grand Prairie, and, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful wedding. And, and, and I want to let you know as you're getting started on your life together, we've been through all the premarital stuff and all that, but as you get started in your life together, you're going to keep Jesus at the forefront of all that you do. And God's going to bless you. God's going to bless your marriage. And you don't have to fear the turbulent times that we're in because God put you two together for this season and for this time because God says there's a plan and there's a purpose for you on this earth. And it's not just to exist and to make money, you know that, but it is to make a difference for Him. So God's put the two of you together during perilous times, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It really will be. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, before we go any further, I want you to give you the opportunity to know Jesus. We just lock yourself in with God all across this room. Come on, believers, just in, in those who of you who are lost, you don't, may not even know the Lord, sin may be overwhelming. You know, just lock yourself in with God right now. Will you do that? If you don't know Jesus, if there's sin in your life and you want that sin out, and when I was talking about that new Jerusalem, I was talking about the new heavens and the new earth, you're saying, I don't know if I'm going to be there or not. If you don't know you're going to be there, I want you to lift your hands at the count of three. And as you do so, what you're saying is, says, I need Jesus in my life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ into your life. And if that's you, at the count of three, lift your hands so I can connect my faith with yours. One, two, three. Lift your hands. Thanks. Who else? I need Jesus today. You can put your hand down. Thank you so much. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. In fact, congregation, everybody, will you please stand right now? If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In church, I want you to pray it as well as an encouragement to anyone around you who may be giving their life to Christ right now. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I become a new creation. I'm leaving the past in the past, and I'm pressing forward to serve you. Dear Jesus, I'm looking forward to spending eternity with you. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Holy Spirit, right now I just pray for every person in this room all across this place. I pray that fear and anxiety and worry and stress, it will go in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that your encouragement, your life, and your strength will just flood our hearts. Flood our hearts. We, God, we want to stand strong in these days. God, we are not just going to want to do it. We declare that we will. We will stand strong in in troubled, turbulent times because your hand is upon us. Your strength is upon us and your blessing is upon us and we receive that now and we choose to walk forward in that in Jesus name everybody said amen come on let's sing one more time thank you for tuning in to the city life podcast if you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information go to citylifefw.org